I'm Mark Ronson, and this is the Fader Uncovered podcast. In this interview series, I'll be speaking with some of the most influential and groundbreaking musicians in the world, from genre-defining stars to avant-garde trailblazers, about their lives and careers. Each episode will be rooted in these musicians' iconic Fader cover stories, an institution that over the past two decades has told artists' stories like no other. The podcast is a chance for us to talk about the past, present, and future, reflecting on their breakthroughs, diving into their lives when their covers hit shelves, and discussing what the future might hold now. And it's an opportunity for me to speak to some of the artists I most admire. This is The Fader Uncovered with Mark Bronson. For those who might not know, let's get the Wikipedia out of the way. J Balvin is one of the biggest artists on the planet, quite literally. He's currently the number eight most listened to artist on Spotify in the world. He's been number one, and he never leaves the top ten. From his humble roots in Medellin as a fearless kid making reggaeton mixtapes, he's majorly responsible for changing the sound of pop music. Starting out in Colombia, slowly finding success through South America and the Spanish-speaking world, and finally cracking the U.S. in the most epic of ways. When he graced the cover of Fader issue 102 in the summer of 2016, he was in the middle of this journey somewhere, already playing arenas all over South America but hadn't quite broken the U.S. That Fader interview takes place during a tour stop in Argentina, and he speaks wistfully of one day collabing with Bieber, a time when he might be played on American radio in his own tongue, Anglo artists may be having to sing in Spanish and the world's leading designers sending him their entire collections, like they do Kanye. Well, five years later, I mean, it's uncanny. All of those things have come true, to a letter. Due mainly to his influence and maybe his sometimes partner in crime, Bad Bunny, who also hero-worshipped Balvin while coming up. Drake, The Weeknd, Bieber, Billie Eilish, they've all cut huge records singing in Spanish. When Beyonce jumped on the remix of Balvin's Smash Miente, she even had Louise Fonzi's cousin fly out to cut her vocals with her, because Queen Bee wanted to make sure her pronunciation was legit. And it was. She smashed it, obviously. Plus, to cap it off, Beyonce brought Balvin on stage with her at her legendary Coachella headline show. As for American radio, well, we've all sung along in Spanish, some of us worse than others, to Balvin's guest verse on Cardi B's beyond iconic number one, I Like It. And as for his once seemingly out of reach aspirations of designers sending clothes, well now he has his own wildly successful collaborations with guests and his own line of Jordans. Not bad. And like any giant global figure with the conscience, he soon found himself in the spotlight on issues beyond music and has made it a point of pride to lift up other Latinos and put them in rooms they've never been in before, as he puts it. He famously pulled out of performing at the 2016 Miss USA pageant in the wake of Trump's horrid comments about Latinos and Mexicans, and he had a beautiful quote about it. Dignity is not negotiable. And even recently, he found himself amid a political hailstorm during the Latin American spring when it hit his home country of Colombia, taking a very soulful stand at his giant stadium gig there. His extremely open chronicling of bouts with depression and anxiety have empowered millions of his younger fans, making them feel okay to talk about such vulnerable issues. And on his excellent new album, Jose, made during the pandemic and amid a nasty bout of COVID that struck Balvin himself, 
He grapples with the divide between J Balvin, the superstar who's achieved beyond his goals, and Jose, the recent father who's realizing that the rest of his life's goals might be more spiritual in nature. There's beauty on the record. Plus, it sounds expensive as hell, which I personally appreciate. When we met for the first time, he walked in and instantly lit up when he spotted his old fader cover from five years back, saying to his boy, from what I could make out in my limited Spanish, how cold it was in Argentina at that time of year and all these other details from the photo shoot. He walked into our chat in full New York garb, a vintage baby blue FUBU jersey, which took me right back to my days working at a hip-hop clothing store on the Upper West Side called Slam. So unexpectedly, our convo starts square in the middle of 90s streetwear. Here it goes. I used to work in this hip-hop clothing store, because I'm a little older, in the up, uptown, where they, like when FUBU first brought their shit like they would come Damon from FUBU would bring it personally like in a box be like Damon was the owner yeah this is like mid 90s like 94 and then it was like cross colors Carl Kanai FUBU yes of course Carl Kanai yeah and I sold my mixtapes in this store and I worked behind the counter like up on a 90th street your mixtape I used to sell my DJ mixtapes and then I would like buy but I was so skinny I looked really stupid, like as a white kid in the FUBU. I loved it, but it just, it didn't look good on me. <laughs> so because this interview is for the fader, I thought it, what's great is if we use this, we start oh, with this. That was when, like six years ago? Five, yeah, five? 2016. And okay. even like the way that you came in and you just said like, oh shit, I remember that photo shoot. Like you said, you remember this was in Argentina. It's super interesting to me. You know, they talk about the show there and how the Argentinian fans are so different than the Colombian fans and you're bringing reggaeton essentially sometimes for the first time like Argentina was still listening to rock music Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting because a lot of fans in the U.S. probably just think oh South America it's all this thing everybody listens to the same music but like people don't realize Argentina is fucking freezing and it's close to Patagonia and it's close to the thing and I was just Wondering what you could remember about those first shows when you started to really like blow up down there. I mean, the first time we started in Argentina, it was in the hood, in every hood from Argentina. You yeah. know, like, like we didn't do what we're doing right now, of course, it's been a process. But I remember the first day, you know, reggaeton was just like really underrated. It was, of course, a movement from the streets. That's where it belongs. Yeah. You know, it's the same story as hip hop. And the fact that I'm Colombian because we have to be clear that reggaeton started in Puerto Rico. Right. Before that, it was the Raga Mafia, which is like from Panama. But before that, I was Jamaica with Danso. Right. And way before is Africa. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but me being Colombian, it was even harder because like the perception of the people was like, if you're not Puerto Rican, you're not going to make it in this. Yeah. It's probably like the Drake effect. I don't consider myself Drake, but what I'm saying is like, he's been from Canada, you know, and then he's like, conquer the whole U.S., being the outsider. So that's like basically what I had to do, like putting a flag in every place, small places. The struggle was real. And the cover of the fighter, that was way after. Yeah. And at that time, we're already an established genre. Yeah. It took us a couple of years to be there. And when I say it took us, I'm including, of course, Puerto Ricans and, you know, and, and Dominicans and all the guys who started it, you know, Panama and everything. I got to see that cover, you know. Yeah, like, here. I don't know if you want to see it's it. It's really 
inspired, you know, because like even in the fashion, I was supporting already a lot of people that are super big now. Yeah. You know, like Fear God, you know, Jerry Lorenzo. I see I was wearing the Kanye, which those weren't now yet because I had my plug at GC uh, at that time, Colombian. You actually say in the article, you know, I want to make it so people are actually singing and rapping in Spanish, and I want all the designers sending the top collections. Like, you list off this whole <laughs> That's list crazy. of things. That's crazy. That you, And it's, it's literally kind of like it couldn't be any more. And it's only five years later, and you're saying it like you think it could happen, but it's not definite. But the way that in the next three, four years, you know, obviously with the records and your influence on it, it, it happened. It's crazy, you know, I was with Mr. Sean, Carter, Hope, JC, I was with him. Last Thursday, we were talking about life for two hours and a half, you know, which is a blessing, you know, to have his time. And, and we were just talking about the mindset. Yeah. You know, like, if you think you can't, you can't. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. And if someone tells you that you can't, you both are right. Because <laughs> you just think that you can't. So we were like, Everything is a mindset, and you gotta be fearless. I'm always being fearless, you know, when it comes to my profession, you know. Yeah. Let's say that I was so focused on, on my career that I was fearless, and I knew since I started that I was gonna make it. I'm still feel that I'm a upcoming artist, I have a lot of things to do, but I was fearless at that time, still fearless, and I knew it. I manifested, you know, I, I knew it was like, I always ask myself, like, why we're not in. Paris, you know, at the front row, you know, like, we, why we don't have our own Jordans, you know, like, why we don't have our own babe collab, you know, why we don't do all these things that are being done by Afro-Americans and people that I always admire. And I took it so personal as Latino, you know, we're like, yo, we deserve to be in those places, you yeah. know, and I just had that mindset, you know, I knew it. I really felt it inside of me, you know, and I'm still feeling that I can take it way higher and not just about music, really as an entrepreneur. I love in the documentary when you're like the old footage of you and you're on the way to the gig, you're like, we're on the way to our gig, it's going to be crazy. And then it cuts to you in this place and there's like six people around, you know, and you're like, don't worry, next year we'll be back, it's going to be crazy. Like, I love seeing that drive. And it's like you said, like you always had that idea and that ambition. I also thought a little bit on the way here, because you talk about... Being here in 2003, when you were young, living in New York for a short time, and you were a dog walker in Soho. So I'm like going through Soho on the way here. I'm thinking like, God, like what streets did Jay Balvin, did I ever walk by young Jay Balvin, like walking his dogs and stuff? <laughs> what are your memories? I mean, other than just the hustle and like yeah. struggle, what were your memories of New York in that time? I mean, there were blessings, you know, because if it wasn't for that, you know, like we all are the result from our past. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for a past, we wouldn't have the superpowers that we all have. Mm -hmm. Maybe we don't know we have it, but we do. It just makes you stronger and more wise, even though I still do a lot of stupid things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you, you live and you learn. Yeah. I just see it with love and just grateful, you know, that it was worth it, that I knew it was going to take me time and, you know, even to take the dogs out and being around Soho and watching all those stores and be like, oh, I want to buy this, but I just can't afford it. Yeah. Now. Yeah. The nice FUBU shirt you're wearing right now. Yeah. Like that kind of 2000. <laughs> yeah. Now you get to buy all this I couldn't, shit. You know, I couldn't buy it. Right. It's not like, I can afford it. Yeah. And I will never. No, it was not right now, but yeah. I will I will get it. So it's a blessing, man. It's a blessing that we took the risk and we were fearless and we're still fearless about make a statement. 
you talk about walking around in New York at that time and seeing Puffy and Jay, Jay on the billboard. Yes. So I'm guessing it's like the Sean John and the Rockaway yes. ads. That's crazy because look what I just told you. Like I was talking with JC for a couple of hours at his office. Yeah. If it wasn't for music, I wouldn't be in those places, you know, yeah. and talking about projects and the dreams that I have as a Latino, you know. And now I talk with the people that inspire me. I can call them or I'm a test away. At that time, I was like, one day they're going to be my friends. I just knew this was going to take me time and sacrifice. And also, Jay's no dummy. So he's sitting with you because he's getting something from you and he's getting your worldview. It's, it's probably it's, not just one side. It is beautiful, you know, because his impact in his culture has just been amazing. We all from the same world, mm -hmm. okay? But like in the Latino side, it wasn't a guy that wanted, you know, they were doing music but they wanted to take it beyond music, mm -hmm. you know, like touch culture. That's what I have mentors or people like Pharrell Williams. I haven't talked to people for a while, but he told me a lot. All the people that inspire me, you know, they guide me. They'd be mm -hmm. like, go this way, you should mm -hmm. do this. And now, you know, it's reality. It's a blessing. So when we're talking about that, it's like, I feel that Latinos need to be in places that we weren't before. Mm -hmm. So it's like the same mentality that Hope has. Afro-American people needs to be yeah. in these levels and in these places and in these meetings where we're not supposed to be. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Like, this is what I feel. I want to elevate my culture. This is not just about me. Yeah. Every step that I do, if it's right, is going to elevate my people and we're going to keep inspiring another one and another and another one. Years ago, like, Nobody would think that I have my own Jordan ones yeah. or being a skin on Fortnite, yeah. you know, or being the first urban Latino to be at the Super Bowl with my boy Bad Bunny. And there's been a lot of first moments, you know, being the headliner of Lollapalooza for the first time, you know, in Spanish, the main artist of, it was a Latino guy, you know, yeah. in 30 years, something like that. Also Coachella, you know, and then with Beyonce. All those things were statements, you know, are still statements. So, yeah. but we're looking what's next. Yeah. You know, we're not looking just right now. We're looking like in 10 years, what are we going to do? Where are we heading? You know, what's our point of view? But I definitely think that we need more space. And I'm working for that. We're going to make it too. You say in the documentary too, early on, you say like, you're talking about actually the fact that you're about to play in the stadium in your hometown, like a dream that you never thought you'd be able to realize. And you're like, 99% of my dreams have come true. So yeah. it sounds like you have more than 1%, though. It sounds like it's like always. Yes, because like all my dreams at that time were just professional. But we cannot forget about the human being. Yeah. I was just so caught up in my career, mm -hmm. you know, so that 1% was like personal things yeah. that I just couldn't get it because I was just so caught up. So that's why you see the name of my album is Jose because it's just like I'm looking to see what makes me happy. Yeah. Billboard number ones and most stream artists, we achieved that too also being the most stream artists in the planet like four years ago, but we're still top 10. You know, yeah. like, it's not a lucky thing. Yeah. So most of the professional goals, so the other goals, they're like spiritual, yeah, the personal. personal. Yeah. And now I'm focusing that in Jose, you know, like, what makes me happy? You know, there's going to be a moment, maybe you're not connecting with the youth no more, which is normally the process. So I'm always thinking 10 years ahead. Yeah. What I'm going to do when I have to just be like, all right, I'm going to retire on a high level, you know, and I don't want people to scream at me like, 
retire. Right. If I'm not finding what makes me happy when the career is done, I'm done. Yeah. Because I don't know what makes me happy. So that's what I'm looking right now. Having time for me, you know, at least three or four hours just for me by myself. Listening to a podcast, reading something that I like, learning something new, having a good coffee, having a great conversation with someone. You know, I learned how to skydive. I've been learning a lot of new stuff, like snowboarding. Yeah. Just looking for what makes me happy as a person. You talk a lot about that. And I'm someone who very much believes I only discovered therapy and meditation, these kind of things later in life. But I had moments where we won the Grammy for Record of the Year for Uptown Funk. And the next day I'm reading how we won in the paper. And I think like, I got nothing left. Now they're going to understand I'm a fraud. I'm going to go to the studio tomorrow. No good ideas will come out. I'm fucked. <laughs> like literally like at the peak of my highest accomplishment yes. or whatever. And Congrats, by the way. Thank you. But what I look for, I look for like the little explanation. So I don't think anyone has all the answers. But one thing that I thought about a lot, reading what you say and watching your documentary, because I wanted to know what you think of this. One of the thoughts is like, for hundreds of thousands of years, humans were in the middle of the food chain, right? We get eaten by lions, we get thrown out, whatever. We'd be lucky to live to the age 30. So only for 10,000 years, we have houses and roofs and food and we know what to do. But all this anxiety that's built into our DNA needs a place to go. So even though we don't have the same worries that we have for hundreds of thousands of years, we have to find it. So that's why what you say, you can have all the money in the world, you won't find happiness because your brain actually has to find somewhere to place all this anxiety. And uh, I wonder what you thought of that, because that explains why no matter what accolades you get and all these goals that you've achieved, it's healthy to have a level of drive and ambition, but there's still, sometimes it can be unhealthy to be like, I haven't done what I need to do. Uh, yeah. Part of my journey and my mission, it's like talk about mental health. Mm -hmm. Because I never thought I was going to suffer from mental health. People don't go to the psychiatric, you know, they're crazy. Yeah. How old were you when it started? Uh, I was like 25. Once you started a music career? Once okay. You started, okay. I started my music career when I was like 19. Okay. Yeah, professional, but like... I don't even feel famous. I just started really young, you know, looking the way, you know, to find myself as an artist. But then, uh, what I told you, you know, like, I never thought I was going to have mental health issues, you know, yeah. like anxiety and depression. But, you know, people think that being depressed is being sad, and it's not. And anxiety, both of them are sickness, mm -hmm. you know. Some people have, like, self-anxiety and self-depression, so you can have, like, a treatment you know like therapies or mm -hmm. you know like meditation or mm -hmm. looking make sports or eat healthier but some of us have more like heavier and that's when there's a chemical disbalance because it's funny you know the first time i talk about mental health people were like he's so ungrateful right oh he's he's weak yeah or like oh he don't have god in his heart yeah you guys don't know what you're talking about like please read <laughs> you know like yeah there's a chemical disbalance. And I didn't even know that. I was like, come on, man. When I was talking to a doctor, like, you're really telling me that with a pill, I want to be better and I want to be fine. I'm going to stop crying and I'm going to stop feeling the emptiness here and the thing that I'm not going to make it tomorrow or I want to die or even that I want to kill myself. There's a pill that's going to help me with that. They're like, yes, mm -hmm. there's chemicals to balance your chemicals. I'm like, yeah. Okay, give me that. <laughs> so, yeah. And for the people that are listening to me right now, 
takes time. Yeah. I have heard a lot of stories about people that commit suicide because they think they're going to be okay at the other day when they take a pill. And it's not. Yeah. You got to be patient. Mm -hmm. Like my last episode of anxiety and depression was a year and a half after I had COVID. It just triggers it. Mm -hmm. And it's been a year and a half trying to get back to normal. I still got some flashbacks and things. But look, it took me a year and a half to be back. I'm like a 90%. Yeah. And it's thanks to the meds. But also, you know, you need a professional to guide you. Mm -hmm. It's not like you go and to any, you know, pharmacy, which I don't think it works here, but there's some people that get some, you know, illegal way and they just like medicate themselves, you know, and, and that's not the way. It's a chemical thing. Also with long COVID, I mean, not to get too heavy, but there's the brain fog, there's all these things. I can't imagine combining that with what you already have and it must be pretty crazy. And the biggest mistake was that I was feeling so good during quarantine that I started taking out slowly my pills. Mm -hmm. I mean, my doctor said that I never told him. I did tell him, but he said that I didn't. <laughs> the so doctor I, from the movie? My, yeah. Yeah. My, yeah the, the, I like the, him. My, Is he yeah, a good guy? Yeah. He looks like a good guy. So, so, so he, I didn't leave them, but I was trying to like, take it slow by slow, you know. And then I remember I went to Miami and I had a panic attack on a bed. And I was like, I'm not going to sleep in this bed. I have to live in the couch. So I sleep in a couch for the whole two weeks in Miami. And that was when I was recording part of my new album. And then I got COVID. So I had COVID and I was under anxiety and depression. That's a hell of a combo. Exactly. You know, like if you have anxiety, depression plus COVID, yeah. <laughs> you feel like you're really dead. Yeah. You know, so that's what it took me a year. So yeah, that's what I talk about mental health, you know, because I think we have to let the people know that we're not perfect. Yeah. You know, that we're not living those lives that people think on Instagram. So, you know, you can, you can trick people, yeah. you know, but I'm just the way I am, you know, I just stay real. That doesn't mean that I'm a good person, I'm a bad person, you know, I just... A human. Yeah, exactly. Okay, please forgive my shitty rehash of Yuval Harari's book, Sapiens, which is where I get most of my theories on anxiety and the human condition. But I am continually fascinated by why pop stars reach unimaginable heights only to find themselves even more depressed. I've seen so many go through it. I've gone through it. I think it has something to do with the fact that you think recognition and fame will deliver you from these feelings. So when that doesn't happen, because that's not how it works, you feel even worse because now you're like, whoa, I've achieved all this stuff and I'm still messed up. I guess something must really be wrong with me. Of course, I carry no degree in psychology. I barely even know Balvin, but for some reason it makes me so happy to hear him talk of looking to alternate ways to find peace of mind. And the candid way with which he discusses not just mental health, but even his medication habits, well, that's knocking down some doors. And that's what Jose, this album, is all about. We'll be right back in a moment. I would say also, like, because in the movie you talk about, and obviously Jose being the name of the new album, there's this struggle, who's Jose and who's J Balvin, and when to be who, and when do you feel comfortable being who, and what do people want to see? But now, hearing you say it, all the good work and the confessional work you did about your own mental health for people that made people feel better, like all these millions of fans, that was probably Jose 
the whole time, actually. Yeah. Like you being Jose, which is... Absolutely. You know, like people have been like, how many days did it take you to talk about mental health? It was like, not even a second. No. I just feel that I had to do it. Like, yeah. I'm not a puppet from a record label. I don't have to ask for nothing. Yeah. I'm free on every creative aspect. It's not about ego. It's like, there's people in the label that, you know, some of them know what's going on in the streets and know, you know, that they're outside. But, you know, like an executive guy is not going to tell me, like, you should go this way and do that. There's a lot of artists that allows that. Yeah. I don't. And I will never. It's the art. And I'm fearless about that, you know, and I follow my instincts. And if we win, we all win. If it was a flop, well, that was my fault. Yeah. You have people like Camila Cabello and stuff even say, like, I didn't know it was okay. You know, even this generation of new pop stars are going to see this and realize it's okay. Because when I think about it, there's a lot of artists that we know that have mental health issues. They have mm-hmm. very public episodes, but very few people talk about it, actually. Like, there's very few Anglo artists that are out there saying... And then the people that do, unfortunately, maybe Little Peep, Juice World, is like people like this actually are no longer with us. I wish more people actually felt comfortable yeah, talking about you know, it. I'm really grateful and not happy about what happened in the Olympics, but it makes me feel more relaxed that people are really talking about, you know, like what happened with the tennis player and with... Oh, with Naomi Osaka. Yeah, right. Naomi Osaka saying about, you know, I'm gone, I just can't. I'm suffering from anxiety, you yeah. know, I'm suffering from depression. Yeah, I could yeah. be the best, but I can't right yeah. now. And I was like, oof, this is not X-Men. I see this, all the X-Men are like going out now, you know, they're getting out of the closet. And like, yes, I'm an X-Men and what? Creative people and amazing people. We all the same anyway. You see, Elon Musk, he has kind of like Asperger. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of big and creative people around the world, famous people that are, suffer from mental health sickness, you know, like Kanye, you know, and, and it's a sickness, you know. As, as long as you're humble to admit that you need to be guided with someone because I think mental health is like HIV in the 90s or 80s that people were scared to talk about you right. know, because they were going to feel like neglected. So that's the same thing that happened with mental health. People feel that the society is going to take them out. They're going to be like, no, we don't vibe with you, you know. Every time I have a conversation about mental health, people be like, oh, man, bro, I suffer from the same. I just don't have someone to talk about. Yeah. Like, yeah. bro, <laughs> well, at least you're in the right place. Yeah. It's okay not to be okay, you know. And, and I receive a lot of calls and messages on my Instagram. And when I'm on tour, it'd be like, yo, man, I'm so grateful because, like, if it wasn't for you, I was about to kill myself. I thought I was crazy. I thought I was going crazy. And yes, it feels like you're going crazy. But there's a chemical disbalance, you know? Yeah. And, and also there's people that are like, oh, so you have all the money, you're famous, and you have access to anything. How you got mental health issues? So it's like telling, like, Elon Musk cannot get cancer? Yeah. Or suffer from a heart attack? Yeah. Like, mental health and anything doesn't discriminate. And I have a lot of projects about mental health, you know, like big projects about how to help the world. I heard somewhere too that teen suicide and like people in their early 20s suicide has definitely gone up since the pandemic, I guess, because there's so much isolation. I imagine online culture contributes to that somewhat because you're looking at other people. It looks like everyone's having the best life hmm. and you're not. I mean, yeah. I guess these things. Yeah. That's why you have to be really careful with social media. Yeah. Because I remember when I was really bad checking social media, it was like, they're having a blast, man. Like, yeah. And why am I this yeah. hell? Yeah. You know? 
and I was kind of like envy and jealous, you know. Of I remember to just test my best friend. I'd be like, like, don't you see that I'm feeling like shit? Right. Why are you doing why, this? Why, why are you partying in a boat? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, it's not their fault. And of course not. But I was like, why have to suffer from this? Like everybody just having a blast. You know, but also a lot of those people that are having a blast, they stop taking the video and the, or the picture and then oof, they might be more depressed than of I course. was. Of course. I used to like look at in those moments where you're having a confidence crisis in these things, I would be looking through Instagram. People that I genuinely like and have a lot of respect for, Diplo, A-Track, they're at the festivals, 100,000 people, they're jumping into the crowd, the last song, everyone's passing around. I'm like, man, fuck these dudes. You know, fuck these dudes just passing around. I mean, it's, it's... I was just talking with Chris Martin on my way here. Yeah. Called Play, which I love. You know, the way we met was true mental health. He watched my documentary. He looked for my phone number. I received a video like, yo, it's me. Yeah. Chris Martin was like, you don't have to introduce yourself, bro. Yeah. Like, and, and the beautiful thing that it was in Spanish. Yeah, oh, really? He's, yeah, he's learning Spanish. He knows how to speak Spanish. Okay. So we were talking about mental health, too. Yeah. We, we've been there. Yeah. Chris has been there, too. So you're looking at biggest bands in the planet. Of course. The problem is that all the people that we have lost, they have a lot of yes-men around. Mm -hmm. So as long as they get what they want from him, yeah, keep sniffing more coke, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, keep drinking, mm -hmm. you know, because we're good. Mm -hmm. As long as you're just messing around and we, we can get things from you. So, yeah, you're like floating, you know, like when you see all these artists, I don't judge them, but you see them on Instagram, you know, doing a lot of drugs, you know, living that rock star life. I'm like, mm -hmm. you're hiding something that you haven't fixed. Yeah. You're hiding a lot of pain because I've been there. Yeah. If you find peace when you sniff cocaine at that moment, that's going to be forever your medicine. Yeah. Because it makes you feel great. Mm -hmm. And I understand. That's why I was like, nah, let me go this way. Because this one can make you feel better for a second, but after, you're going to be even more down. The crash is bad. And that's why they die. Because they just like, another pill. Just keep sniffing more cocaine. Yeah. Keep doing this. Let's go more, 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 more. And they're doing more and more. Not because they want to go crazier, because they want to feel peace. Of course. So they find peace in that, and then they finally get the peace. They die. They yeah. die. So that's why, like, when I watch all these artists in Israel, I'm like, man, I don't, how can I tell them, you know? But if you don't want to wake up, you're never going to wake yeah. up. If you don't want to elevate your conscience, you're never going to elevate. And if you don't pick the right people around you, to tell you, you know what? You could be the biggest pop star in the world, whatever. I don't care. You're my brother. You're doing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. Go and get this, bro. Like, I don't know if you heard the new Kanye West album. No, I haven't heard it yet. I haven't. But Jay-Z said on a quote, like, tell your mom that I took the red cap out of you, you know, when he was supporting Trump and all these things. You know, yeah. like, like, that's real, brother. You yeah, know, like, yeah, like yeah. this, bro, like, yeah. like, respect any political thing. But, like, to me, it was a bad move for culture, you know? Because he was supporting a racist guy yeah. who talks bad about Mexicans, immigration, black people, Asians, and he was supporting that. And JC on the verge, he said, like, tell your mom that I took the red cap out yeah. of you. You know, that's a real friend. You have a great quote, actually. The name of the article, the first headline is Dignity is not negotiable, nah. which is you said in that because you were talking about it was right 2016 when Trump was running on this horrible racist campaign and saying that, you know, they had to close the borders because it was bad people coming yeah. and you He was to say that we were rapists and we were- I don't even want to say it. It's drug horrible, dealers yeah. and yeah. And that's what yeah. I pull out from Miss USA, Miss Universe, I don't know. 
that was like my first chance to be like on a mainstream. You were the first person to pull out of those things and then everybody started. It was like a domino effect, you know? So that's what I want to make with my culture. I want to empower my people. Everyone that vibe with what we're doing is more than invite to our Latino gang. You know, it's like, you vibe with us, you have respect for us, we have respect for you. And even the people that doesn't respect us, I still, you know, I don't hate them, but I'm just like, I'm just going to keep doing my thing. It's such an interesting part of the movie. Obviously, the whole, and so unplanned, the, the political uprising that was going on at the same time before the huge concert that you're doing. Because the movie ends at the end of the concert, I was curious, actually, now, what was the reaction then to the statements that you made at the concert? Was it embraced? Did you get shit from the other side? There's always going to be good and bad. Mm-hmm. You know, you're never going to have everyone happy at you. Because if I say something about this, about the right, and the people from the left are going to hate me. Yeah. If I say something from the left, people on the right. Whatever you say, it's going to be hate. Yeah. But I'm the type of people that I don't think the world is bad. Mm-hmm. I'm not the type of person that always like, nah, human beings are the worst. Nah, I don't think that. I've been reading a lot lately because I just want to elevate myself as a person and have something to talk, you know, like, mm-hmm. not just about music or mm-hmm. stupid things, you know, like mm-hmm. really like some deep, deep shit. Or I consider that it's deep. And it's just like, the media, for example, they just show us the worst. Why don't you tell me that there's a farmer doing an amazing job right, right. now? Why are you showing me 2,000 times that a white girl was killed? Right. And that way, maybe the National Rifle Association is going to get more sales. Right. Because they show once and more and more. And he got killed. She got killed. She got killed. It's a white person. Right. You know? They can control you to fear. Of course. And they provoke your outrage, your exactly. anger. You got to go you in by a, a rifle. You got to go by guns. Yeah. And, but they don't know. They play with you. Yeah. You know, they got you because once you fear, they're controlling you. Mm-hmm. You know, so I have a lot of things to say. <laughs> yeah. It's also really tough because while this is happening, you're like, there could be a hundred thousand people that support you and like what you say, but all that you can fixate is that one person who just said some hate, like, oh yeah, well now he says something. It's like, you can't really win, so you have to learn, Never. I think, like to Never. filter you, it. Really. You just can't. Like many of my fellow hip hop club DJs in the 2000s, the first reggaeton song I remember that you had to play was Gasolina by Daddy Yankee. I mean, that song ruled New York for well over a year and still goes off. The rhythm was familiar to me because reggaeton had so much of its DNA from Jamaican dancehall, and we all played plenty of that. But the major difference, obviously, was that the lyrics were fully in Spanish, and the overall energy of the thing was way more turnt and furious. The sonics were more digital and nasty. That rhythm, the signature kick-snare pattern, is called the dembo rhythm, and it is the backbeat of all reggaeton. The tempo varies, the drum sounds change, but it's always essentially the same beat. And that's something I'm so fascinated by. The beat is everything to me when producing a song. The way different syncopations help boost up any kind of tune, from an up-tempo straight-ahead jam like Uptown Funk to a beautiful ballad like Love is a Losing Game. I spent a great deal of my life agonizing over drum patterns. So the idea of being tied to one pattern is anathema to me sort of terrifying even. But continually, pioneers of the genre find ways to keep it fresh. Producers like Tiny and the brilliant artists who ride the beat. 
There is a great scene in The Boy from Medellin where Balvin performs a very emotional part of La Cancion, where the drums drop out, and you imagine what an entire ballad might sound like from him. Just his lovely voice, the melody, the music. I asked him if he could ever imagine going full Celine and delivering a contemporary torch song. I would love to talk about the new album for a yeah, second anyway. Um, I was thinking like, what's a word? Like, what is it about this record? that? What does it feel like? I was like, expensive. Like, there's something about the sound. It sounds beautiful. Like, you know, all your records have great tunes, melodies, vocals. They got bangers. But this one feels like in the way when people listen to Coldplay, Daft Punk. Like, it's got that thing that just sounds like yeah. expensive. Yeah. Was that an intention when you were making this record? 100%. Yeah. Uh, Chris Martin just told me, like, send me one song. I'm like, I know which one I'm going to send him. Vestido? Yeah. Did Best- you really? Yeah, because that has like a Coldplay vibe. So I was just thinking, so when I listened to Vestida, I was like, the chords, like it's got that. Yeah, yeah of course. It's beautiful. He just told me, like, send me one song of the album. When I check, I was like, I know which one I want to yeah. send you. And you're going to check. Because I just want to elevate my sound yeah. and elevate the genre, you know. Yeah. We need everything on our genre. We need the ratchet thing, which I love. Yeah. I can't deny it. We need crazy guy in the industry. We need the guy that is like, have more common sense. You need the guy that is like balanced, that can go street and... Pop, kind of like Drake. And that's what I was looking in this album, you yeah. know, like my own perspective of how I would love to listen myself. Like this might be the first album that I really want to listen in my car mm-hmm. because I don't like to listen to myself. But the concept of this album is Jose, it's my name. And what I like as a fan, Yeah, hmm, I'm going to add things that I always wanted to do and I never had the chance. So this album is called Jose, you know, it's not J Baldwin. It's like, it's like a playlist curated by me. Yeah. And rapping and singing by me, but also what I think people are going to vibe, you know, because a little bit of everything. Yeah. How did making it during lockdown, how did that change the process? Did you still manage to just have your studio in Columbia and unlock and people coming in? Or did you have to do more stuff, sending vocals back and forth? It was really hard first to elevate the energy because we were just so sad and bored. So when we started, it was like, turn off that, you know, turn it off. Like, you feel good? No, I don't feel good. If it, no, I don't feel good. It took us a while to yeah. start, like, everything was so dark. Like, when I called the producer, like, yo, what you have? Like, bro, I'm, I don't have no ideas. Yeah. I'm not in the mood. Took us, like, a couple of months to, like, start, like, okay, now I'm feeling. And you had COVID as well. So yeah. That's not... but, that, but that was after. Okay. And then we started, like, feeling that music was saving our time. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, let's do another song. Boom, another one. We did 60 songs for this album, and mm-hmm. we chose... 24. It was a moment that every song was sounding the same because we were just like the same guys working together. Yeah. And they were like, we heard this before. I don't know where. And then we started like going back on the song, like, ah, there you go. That's where it is. A lyric or a chord yeah, or a melody. Both things, any of it. Right. Even a lyric and, and a melody, exactly. Yeah. And we're like, nah, okay, let's see each other in a week. And then phew, we came fresher. Yeah. And then, like, okay, let's do this again. Boom, boom. And then. I did the last takes in Miami. That's when I got COVID. So we, I took a time. And then I came to New York and uh, we record more songs. And we closed the, the album. How long has that album been finished for? It took us a year. So the producers that you work with on this record, because I listened to the record, but I didn't have the credit. Is it a lot of the same people? Is it? It's Tiny and Sky, oh, basically. Same. Okay. Like the Sky security producers, you know, yeah. like they're just curating everything. But I have a lot of different 
Skrillex. I yeah, guess. this is Skrillex. Yeah. You know, the Diploids on it in the album. We have an upcoming producer like uh, Masis, which is Tiny's brother. Yeah. Uh, we have Tycho, which is like the Sky, you know, student. Can you tell me about, because I didn't know about him and he might already be big, but is it Mike Towers? How do you pronounce his name? Yeah, Mike Towers. Mike He's Towers is crazy. one of the. That track is crazy. Oh, Billetes de Cien, I love it. You know, yeah. and uh, Mike Towers, it's basically one of the best MCs, period. He's been around for a while. He's been around for a, for a while, okay. yes, but he just blew up the last two years. Yeah. I know he's so far one of the best rappers. Yeah, you, know? you sound great. I mean, I like hearing you over those beats too. It's just a nice. That's know, because that's what I listen beat. to. Yeah. You know, like I listen to that type of music. Yeah. So that's why I was like, my last album was Colores and it was an audiovisual concept. Yeah. You know, so me and Colin Tilly were just like, okay, I have this song, let's do this concept. You know, but it was a concept album which it was really hard for, for us to like it was just only eight songs nine yeah. songs you know and, and and people were used to have like 16 songs on my albums 18 mm -hmm. so then I was like I'm, I want to give them what they want but I'm giving myself what I want yeah so I was like oh the name of this album is Jose because I'm doing what I really want to do the concept is myself yeah so that's what happened with this album. You know what I like in the film too? There's like a footage and I've never seen you like that or heard you, but where it's just you and the piano. So I think there's like an old demo when you're maybe Oof. writing like Me Mona Lisa. Yes, it's yes, like, yes. And then there's some other shit when you're at the piano with your boy. And like, I was like, damn, like, like would you ever make an album that was that stripped down? Like, I know you say ballads, but ballad to you and ballad to Chris Martin is two different things. Like, mm -hmm. could you imagine making a record without the Dembo? Like, could you make, oh, there's, like, stripped down ballads? There's, there's, there's songs there. You know, this one called Querido Rio, which is a ballad song. Yeah. You know, which is a guitar, and I'm just talking about my best friend, which is my son. Oh, congratulations. Thank of you. Course. When was he born? Just two months ago. Wow. When you have a best friend, you just want him to be good. Yeah. You know, and you always want to help him and, yo, don't go this way. Let's do this way. Oh, you want to try this? Tell me. I'll be with you. You know, I like this. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this is gonna, what's going to happen if you want to try or not, but I'll be with you. I don't want to be that, that, that is like, you can, you can, you can, you can, because that's like, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to, you know? So, Carillo Rios, one song, there's another one called, Ganas de Verte, which is like kind of like, it's an R&B yeah. song. I think that's what I like about the thing with, with just you and the piano too, because like I love singers like, you know, the singers I work with like Lady Gaga, Amy Winehouse, yeah, but like true voices. And it's like when I hear your tone on that, I'm like, oh, like, I want to hear more of that, you know? And maybe that's just because that's my taste and it's not stylistically interesting to you or whatever but mm -hmm. I really I mean you have a wonderful voice and I think because there's a lot of production not everybody knows how great the actual just voice is naturally you know the voices you just said they're just out of this world I think you have a, but voice is about tone I think you have that's what I'm saying because yeah. you have to have a, a color yeah you know that's that's how people connect with you you know like that raspiness or something like when you think about Kurt Cobain you know like pfft, yeah that's oh, Kurt yeah. Cobain Course. You know, but yeah, I, I think it's not about who sings the best. It's like who know how to play with the tone and connect, you know, and every time I'm recording, you know, my, my sound engineer, which is as important as anybody else in my project, he's like, let me listen again. I don't believe you. Really? That's yeah. Just yeah. Like, like let me see the sentence and let, yeah. let me, yeah. I don't believe what you're saying. Let's go back. 
you know, so like emotion, yeah. like I was talking once again with Hope, you know, with JC, and it was like, tell me if you know what Sean Paul said. I was like, no, like, but you, you feel you the feel vibe. Yeah. You feel that he's yeah. taking you on a wave. It's about feeling. And I was like, you, this is all right. I have songs with Sean Paul, and I definitely don't know what he said. No. But it just sounds right. It flows. It's, yeah. You don't know what he's saying, you know? Yeah. He's an OG, big legend, and, and I would love to do 2,000 songs with him, you know, because he just flows. Sean Paul or Hove? Sean Paul. Yeah. Yeah, I already have songs with him, but like, I would love to do a lot of songs with him, yeah. you know? It's amazing, too, actually, when I think of Sean Paul. A, he doesn't age, so no. that helps a lot. <laughs> but like, I'm like, this dude was making huge records. Like, Infiltrate was like 1999, Remember. and he's still on... Massive there's, pop record. There's like last always, year. exactly. There's one thing like every year there's a global Sean Paul song. It's crazy. It's in one of those that I like, okay. I produced a song on his first album and he no. came to the studio. Yeah, this song called International Affair. And he came to my studio <laughs> and it was when he was killing, like, give me the light, like, we're killing. So I was, he was like, hey. MTV moments and yeah. things like that. He was like, yeah. you want me to make you some dub plates? I didn't realize, like, we had just met. It was very generous of him. I was like, yeah, if that's cool. And so he did. I still play them. I still put them over <laughs> new instrumentals because it's just him saying my name and I don't know what the fuck else he's saying, but it sounds so cool. It sounds right. You know, Easy, my grandson, you don't know right now. No, no, I'm going to cry out of mercy. And you're like, bro, whatever you're saying is fire. Yeah. It sounds fire to me. That's why when I do my music, when we do our music, I try to make some melodies and make melodies and make beats that even if you don't know any word of Spanish, you just vibe with it. Mm -hmm. That's how it happened with me with hip hop and, and rock. You know, like I started listening to bands when I was a kid, like yeah. Dayside and, and Judas Priest and Nirvana and Metallica and then Chris Cross and Vanilla Ice and Tupac Biggie. And I didn't know what they were saying. Yeah. And I was just mumbling. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I was like, I feel this vibe. So that's why I keep doing my music in Spanish. Yeah. Because I'm like, if they did it, I cannot do that. Yeah. You know, and but still do it in Spanish. It doesn't it doesn't mean that I'm never gonna do an English song, but if I do it, it's because I want to. Yeah. Not because I need it. Yeah. You know, not because like, oh, you wanna get to this place? Oh, you wanna conquer this? So you have to do it in this way. Yeah. Like we got to think out of the box, you know, like, I'm going to keep it real 100% with me, you know, like, I don't want to go to bed and be like, oh, I'm a sellout. I just did what, you know, what they wanted me to do and um, just didn't feel it, which it happened. I, I did a camp with a lot of big producers and songwriters, you know, from here, and, and then I listened to everything. I was like, this is not me. No, it's not you. Yeah, but you have the best songwriters and you have the best producers. Yes, I have, and I have a lot of respect for them. Yeah. But I don't feel real. Doesn't feel real to me. Yeah. So what's the point? Yeah, you need to bring those people into your world. Exactly. I love, even as a DJ, personally, when I'm playing I Like It Like That or one of your records, when I'm DJing a song in English where I know the lyrics, I know when the next verse is about to come or the chorus come because I can, with your songs, I have to like count the bars because I can't speak Spanish for mm -hmm. shit. So I'm like counting the bars. I'm like, I know the chorus coming now. Three, duh, and then drop it. But like, no, you make everybody in the club. Like, I mean, the crazy thing is not only are they singing in Spanish, but like, you've got like Luis Fonsi's, what do you say? Her brother taught Beyonce how to sing exactly perfect. You've yes, got Drake working Jen. for like 10 hours, just pronunciation. Like, not only are they singing in Spanish, now they're like, but we got to sound like the real deal, like the authenticity. I mean, it's, 
since what you say in the beginning of that article, like I hope that you know Rihanna takes my call and people really start coming to our world. Like that's crazy. I have to happens. read this again. It happened. You know? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yes, you're right. Now definitely, I talk almost with all of them. Oh, you know, one thing I'd love to talk about, because you talk about Hector Laveau all the time. And I think if there's one moment to just give him a little shine in this, like... Of course, like Hector, Hector Laveau was one of the biggest Latin singers. Shay Shay Cole is how I know him. It's one of yeah, my Chay favorites. Chay Cole. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. You talk about him being your favorite. Yeah, my favorite Latin artist, you know, when it comes to the one who paved the way for us. And uh, because he had a song called El Cantante, you know, the singer. And he's saying like, Nobody asked me if I suffer if, or if I cry. And I go to the stage and I'm dying inside. I was like, oh, he's, he's just saying facts. Yeah. Or like, that's how I feel. Yeah. So many times I've been on stage with anxiety and depression and be just like, ah, smiling. Yeah. And everyone, you know, so like, I actually say it, the day I die, just have a party for me and blast that song 200 yeah. times. And that's it. Do you think that eventually would... Not to get too fucking deep, but would, would like happiness for you mean merging one day like Jose and J Balvin? Or does it mean just understanding like why both of them are important and letting them both get their shine? If, if Jose is great, J Balvin is going to be way great. I got to be selfish now. Yeah. About me. Like now when it comes to talk about business with my manager or my team, I'm like, you have one hour. Yeah. To talk about everything you want to talk. Yeah. Or when I was on the plane on my way back to New York, my manager said, like, we need to talk. Uh, give me 20 minutes. I went, okay. I put my cell phone. The I put the cell phone there. I'm like, yeah. And, you know, my, we always make jokes all the time. So I gave it to my, one of my friends. And he was counting, like, one minute. <laughs> and then, like, two minutes. 235. Yeah. And he was like, da, 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 da. Yeah, you were like, wait, 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 give me more five minutes. No, you say 20. Yeah. Next time, say you need an hour. Yeah. And we might negotiate that. I already did this album. I think I'm going to have time for myself after this. More time for myself. After I did this, when I came here, I already recorded 40 new songs. 40 since you got here. Yeah. yeah. So I, I have another album ready anytime I want to drop. So I plan this yeah. without knowing yeah. that I want to just focus on myself. Do you like recording in New York? Like, do you like bringing the energy? Yeah, the vibe, yeah the vibe here is, is real special because this is the city that makes me dream. Yeah. You know, this was the first city in the United States that opened the door for me. Yeah. You know, and this is the city that inspired me. And that's the reason why I live between New York and Medellin. Yeah. You know, like Medellin, you're like, oh, and just like, okay, get my vibe of my roots and the mountains and the air. But when I'm here, I'm like, oh, and also, I live here on a slow way. I'm not following the New York wave. Right. People are like, wow, but this, the city is so hectic and everybody's just running around. I'm like, you guys are running. Right. I'm walking and people are like on those doors. You yeah. know, the ones are like, yeah. I stop them and I'm like, I walk flow. I walk slow. Yeah. Like, oh my. Can you be a little bit more anonymous in New York? I imagine you get stopped I, I, I used to. I used to be like, I live in New York because no one will recognize me. Now, now it's, it's, not the same. It's, it's not the same, yeah. but I know the places, yeah. where to be, you know, or at what time. Yeah. The bad thing about being an artist and get some popularity is that you create your own jail. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to get out of that jail. I don't want to be slave of myself. Yeah. 
And everywhere I go, I'm just like, they bought me. I'm like, no, Jose. I mean, in the documentary, I mean, you go out into the streets all the time. You you have to take a picture with everybody. You're like, well, it's not a jail if I turn it into my own utopia, like, right? Like the way you've, you've reversed it. So what to some people is like, oh, no, there's too many people. There's fans out there. You're just like... I'm just going to go in and give them... Yeah, no, I give them. I give the love, you know, but I'm looking for my balance, mm-hmm. you know, and here I can have a, more balance. But there's always love. Sad if you're walking in the streets and nobody's showing you love. That's different, yeah. you know, but you're walking like, yo, Jay, yeah. bro, I love you, you know, like JB. Or when It's funny, when like, the last time I was walking around Chinatown, there was a Chinese guy that started talking to me in Spanish. I was like, wow. how you learn Spanish? But like... <laughs> Because I wanted to know what you were saying in your songs. So I'm like, oh. He learned Spanish. Yeah, so we touch him. So we're going beyond. You know, that's, that's, that's beautiful. You know, that's like, crazy. but that's the reason why I learned English. Because I wanted to talk with my artists, my favorite artists one day, and tell them why, how I feel about them. Yeah. So I think it makes sense that people be like, okay, I want to learn because one day maybe I might meet him or be yeah. somewhere I want to talk to him. Have you ever, since you learned English and now you speak it obviously extremely well, do you ever listen to like one of those hip hop songs you used to listen to? Oh, no, no. Oh, that's what they're saying? (laughs) Of course. I don't even like, that's what I've been doing lately. I was listening to the Blueprint yesterday and I was listening to like Dr. Dre, you know, Chronic 2001 and and all those songs. I'm like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) They said that? Yeah. You know, and I was checking Tupac and Biggie, so I'm like, oh shit. And I was checking like Nas. You know, when he was decent JC and, you know, the bar was like, oh, my God, they went hard. You know, like, like they say this, like, let me go back. Oh, shit. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's too many songs that are like, oh, man, I was, oh, wow. Cool. Well, thank you so much. No, that was thank great. You. It was really a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Chinese fan in New York City learned Spanish so he could understand the lyrics of his favorite artist, a reggaeton singer from Colombia. That is the power of music. Take me out with the fade. Mark and Jay Balvin talked a lot about mental health in today's episode. If you're feeling depressed or you just want to talk to someone, there are free 24-hour services available by phone and internet all over the world. In the United States, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Or you can text the message HOME, that's H-O-M-E, to 741-741. In the United Kingdom and Ireland, Samaritans can be contacted on 116123, or you can text the message SHOUT, that's S-H-O-U-T, to 85258. In Australia, the Crisis Support Service is Lifeline. They can be reached by phone or text at 131114. And in Canada, the Canada Suicide Prevention Service is available by phone 24 hours a day at 1-833-456-4566 and by text from 4 p.m. to 12 a.m. at 456-45. Thanks again to Jay Balvin for taking the time to talk with us. A special fader thank you to our Grammy and Oscar Award-winning host, Mark Ronson. 
please visit thefader.com slash podcasts to read the original cover story and check out a playlist of artists mentioned in this episode. If you like the show, please share it and review us on your favorite podcast app. Please join us next Monday to find out which of your favorite artists will be uncovered next. Executive producers Rob Stone and John Cohen for the Fader Podcast Network. Talent booking Robert English. Producers Alex Robert Ross and Maddie Russell Shapiro. Directed by Daniel Nevetta and produced by the Fader in association with BYT.NYC. Engineered and mixed by David Rogers Barry. Theme music by DJ Premier. For Fader Uncovered merchandise, please visit shop.thefader.com. Thanks, and see you next week.